The following content is rated explicit for language in adult situations. So listen with headphones. Or don't. We don't judge. Have you ever wished that your world had more magic? Or that your favorite character had survived? How about a full-length spinoff of your favorite childhood series? Then do we have a podcast for you? Hello, everyone. I'm Claire. And I'm Kat. And this is Fire, Whiskey, and Honey, the podcast about your favorite novel-length Potter fan fiction. The Dead of Time. Each episode, we read a chapter of this story. Which I try to remember from week to week. Try being the operative word. Without further ado, here's our recap of last week's chapter of The Dead of Time. Well, hello, Cat. Hi. That's become a thing now. Well, hello, cat. That's that's it. That's going to be the new shirt. And everybody's going to be like, but why? Um, but it can literally just be like, well, hello, and then like a picture of a cat, but it wears your crazy old man glasses. Bitch, don't make fun of my old man glasses. <laughs> and the headphones. This is Hillary Duff collection right here. <laughs> this is Lizzie McGuire. Don't don't talk to me about Lizzie McGuire. She's not giving us a I know it's not cat. her fault. It's it's other people's fault. She wants to. And also she got the Rona and she pregnant again. So <gasps> she's but oh my gosh, we're patties. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. Yeah, and she got the Rona. I don't know if she better yet, but she got the Rona. That's unfortunate. It is unfortunate. Yeah, I feel like recently it went from, I knew it was widespread, but I only knew like maybe one person who had had it to like, I know six people in the last three weeks and two of whom died. So it was like, oh, oh, this is okay. Okay, this is the personal connect. Like, I always thought it was serious. I never thought it was a hoax or any of that kind of shit. But it's one of those, it's one thing to be like, yes, this is serious. You need to pay attention. And it's another thing to be like, oh my fucking God. That's like. Yeah. My aunt's stepdad got it early on and he died. So I had that from the beginning. And I yeah. was like. No, like I, 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 we lost um, a family member fairly early on to it, but it just not somebody I was terribly close to and so now it's like oh oh these are people who I like you know knew I was Facebook friends with them we interacted we talked like it oh ew but um yeah or like what I said today I was like you know how people like will go on like rants or tell you something and be like I'm not saying this for my health, but we're literally saying this we're for saying, our health. I'm saying this for my health, goddammit. <laughs> like, this is the that. only time you can say this is for my health. I'm saying this for my health. Also, I'm using my Ravenclaw background, not to take a very serious subject and make it lighthearted, but I'm wearing my Carhartt warm or cold weather. I always say warm weather, but it's like warm clothing for cold weather anyway my cold weather headband but unfortunately that makes my computer think that that's where my head ends so like all of my hair disappears and turns into brick so it's, it's very exciting lots of things are moving she's right a now. brick house <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyway so now that we have had Yet again, absolutely nothing to do with the of time to start off with. Um, continue saying things for your health, people. It's very important. And we will move into what happened was. What happened was. So, Maya and Rebus finally together. Again. Yes, again. Welcome to my life. Anyways, <laughs> so... There was something at the beginning that I wasn't really that clear about. Like, I know that the Potters sent a letter to, I guess, Jamie or something. And I wasn't really clear what that was about because that kind of confused me. But then after, like, all of that, Remus and Maya were in bed again. And they having their little, like, weird pillow chat stuff that they do and I don't think they actually did anything and then Peter the rat that he is busts in and is like guys guys and they're like Jesus and then apparently the Caros challenged Sirius and I guess James 
if Sirius gets hurt or something, like, to a wizarding duel, and then at the very end there was, like, some bloodshed, but I don't know who the crap got spelled. Spelled? Cursed. Spelled. Cursed. Yes. Cut. Yes. Girl, I will cut him. Anyway. Uh Uh-huh. I will curse you. (laughs) Yes. So, first and foremost, the letter that was sent. uh, So, Remus sent the letter of intent to Jamie, but he also sent it to um, uh, Papa Potter, Charles. And so, Jamie had written a secondary letter to his father saying, Yo, Remus is good. Don't give him a hard time. Um, and that was sort of that. Now, as for the dueling, um, for those of you who have watched Hamilton, number one, the challenge demands satisfaction if they apologize. No need for further action. Number two, if they don't, grab a friend. That's your second, your lieutenant, when there's reckoning to be reckoned. That All of that was completely offbeat. But rule number two of the Ten Dual Commandments is very important right here. And she makes fun of me because I can't clap on beat. Okay, I don't have. I'm trying to rap without any beat or music, and <sighs> I'm about as albino as you can get when it comes to whiteness. So, that being said, hey, white people can rap too. Okay. Marshall Mathers doesn't do that for his health. Fair, 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 fair. But in the Ten Dual Commandments, number one is. You challenge somebody, you demand satisfaction. If they apologize, no need for further action. Number two, if they don't apologize, grab a friend, that's your second. So, in the event that uh, one of you is unable to duel, your second... Well, first off, your second's the one who determines the point of the duel or, like, the, the rules for the duel. So, like, in, you know, 1700s, 1600s, when duels were, like, really big... Uh, you would choose between swords or pistols. And obviously with wizards, it's, you know, wand or wand. Um, I guess you could do like wand and wandless or verbal and nonverbal, but yeah. Um, and that's also where you set up the, okay, no unforgivables and that kind of shit. Not that any of that shit matters to the fucking carers because they don't give a fuck because all they want is power and glory coming from Voldemort. And now all I can hear in my head is from that stupid video you posted with the girl doing all of the goddamn uh, imitations and That's all I She was so good, I laughed so hard. Her Dobby was my favorite. But I think my favorite actually my second favorite was at the very end where she's just like prancing around for no reason. Uh, no, I think my favorite was when she was like Harry Potter, the boy who lived, come to die. Kushia, Kushia. I was like, he didn't look like that. And then, she, and then they showed the clip and I was like, oh shit, yeah, he did. <laughs> but anyway, but yes, so the second, Jamie is the stand-in. So what he's going to do is he's going to negotiate the terms of the agreement for the duel. And then if something happens to Sirius and he's unable to duel, I think Jamie can duel in his place. But, um, or if, you know, Sirius gets hurt, Jamie takes care of him. If Electo gets hurt, Amicus, or no, if Amicus gets hurt, Electo takes care of him. Um, that, that, that always throws me off because I hear Amicus and I think it's shortened to Amy. And I'm like, that's a girl's name. It is a boy's name, Amicus. Electo is shortened to Allie and she is a girl. But now I just have to shorten Amicus's name to Mikus in my head to make it sound like a boy's name. Um, which makes me think, what was the name of that fucking kid from Boy Meets World? Minkus! Minkus! Because <laughs> Corey was always like, Minkus! That's, that's, that's what I was thinking in my head. It was like, Minkus! Kara. Uh, <laughs> God, this is the longest fucking what happened was. But anyway, we're just having fun, folks. Hi, welcome to the show. Anyway... Uh, hey it's good 
good because this will come out on Christmas and they'll be tired of their Zoom families. Yes, yes, that is the other thing for those of us who celebrate, or those of you who celebrate Christmas. Very Merry Christmas. It is Christmas Day. Or as they say in Harry Potter, Happy Christmas. I can't see that. Oh, you can't see it. You can't see it. I have antlers. <laughs> I'm disappearing. I can show you down here. I just have to hold it against my chest. Yeah, that's like my unicorn one, but in reindeer form. Yes. Yeah. It's okay. You can say unicorn one because at this point we will have already published the archive of our own video, which will be combining last week's chapter and this week's chapter because, frankly, recording six times in three weeks was a very, very difficult scheduling thing and it's the goddamn holidays and we weren't gonna make that happen sorry i am bad at remembering to wrap and god damn it i didn't send my sister's presents today sorry sis you're getting your presents in january sorry not sorry i mean i am sorry but i'm gonna blame covid anyway <laughs> it's okay i know somebody who spent 70 dollars to get the present there on time and it's not getting there on time i would cry into yeah. my eggnog yes this is our christmas gift to you and for those of you who don't celebrate christmas happy very belated hanukkah and for those of you who don't celebrate hanukkah happy belated kwanzaa i think it's belated god damn it. you know what no i did this last time i'm gonna look up when kwanzaa is god damn it kwanzaa 2020 aha it has not yet happened. It starts on December 26th and ends on Friday, January 1st. So happy Kwanzaa tomorrow. And also, if you do not celebrate any of those, happy Yule, happy Saturnalia, happy anything that you celebrate that happens to occur within this month time frame. And if you celebrate none of those, happy New Year, because God damn it, I bet you celebrate that one, bitch, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that was really aggressive, but I love all of you. Mwah. Happy holidays. And no, I don't feel bad about saying that. Anyway, Catherine? Yes? Oh, one last thing before we move on from what had happened was. The bitch who got cut was serious. He sicked him sempered his ass. It was like a gang fight out there. It got dark, knives came out, and just went, He's just bleeding. Oh God! I'm. Why are you? Why are you saying that? Like you know, in the movies where it's like that old guy who sits in the chair with the beard. He was like, it was a dark night in 1974, <laughs> and the guns were coming at me, and I told my boys to get ready because we're gonna be a shooting. <laughs> well, okay. In between watching Yellowstone, which I mentioned earlier, if Hannah Beth cut it out, oh well. It's, I, I'm enjoying it. It has its issues, but I'm enjoying it. Um, but I, I say it has its issues, like there's any show alive today that does not have issues. They all have issues, so meh. But anyway. Um, I got issues. It is a, but it's a very violent show, so I've been in a very, like, yeah, badass, violent individual. I am not. Uh, I would not bring a knife or a gun to a gunfight, I would just bring a lot of tears and a lot of please don't shoot me. <laughs> but that being said, um, we ended last week on uh, bloodshed. Yes, 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 yes. Um, Amicus saying that he uh, he was excited. Or Her Harry, Jamie thought they won the duel. And Amicus was like, ha no, bro, we win every duel. Two blood traitors, you know, you have no idea what we'll get when we tell him what we've done. And Jamie's like, tell who? What? Did you finally beat us in a duel? And Electa's like, we're going to be elite, bitches. He'll put me higher than Bellatrix. And then all of a sudden, everybody's like, oh, shit, they brought up Bellatrix. This is probably some bad fucking news. And, oh God, I hope none of you are listening to this with your families on Christmas morning because, I, I, actually, you know what, I hope none of you are listening to this on Christmas morning if you are a Christmas celebrator because, damn it, spend time with your family or, if you don't like your family, the people that you do like. But if we are the people that you like, then, aww, hi, we love you too, Merry Christmas, love you, mwah. 
Uh, <laughs> I've had a lot of caffeine today. Not a dangerous amount for a baby, but considering I've had zero caffeine, having a cup and a half of coffee is a lot. Anyway, one of the fucking kiddos, I think it was Lecto, said, I can't wait to see the look on the Dark Lord's face when I told him that I've killed Sirius Black. And she goes to say stupefy, or no, she stupefies Amicus, Maya does. And then Electo is expected to attack Maya, or at least that's what Maya thinks she's going to do. But Electo is not at all perturbed by the fact that her brother just got fucking pwned. So she instead casts a Sectumsempra on Sirius Black, and Maya screams no, and they run towards Sirius. And there's already blood on the floor. So, <sighs> Jesus Christ, Annabeth, please don't kill us. We know it's a really long intro. We love you. Anyway, um, also, we also have Annabeth listening in. The <laughs> She's making like this amazing face. She literally clicked onto video just to give us like a stare down and then hopped off. It was beautiful. Anyway, without further ado... We will move on to this week's chapter of The Death of Time, which starts with an author's note this week. And the dearest Shia says, It seems like several of you had issues with how I left the last chapter hanging. Hmm, good to know, winky face. In the words of Cat, that bitch. Not towards Shia, usually, but in the event of last week's uh, cliffhanger. Understandable. Also, I think Shia just, like, gets high off this shit, so... You know. All right, so we're getting closer and closer to the obvious onslaught of war. Please keep in mind that, uh, please keep that in mind when reading. Also remember that every character has their own motives, not just our own. And those who live to see the second wizarding probably learned a lot from what they did saw during the first. Because I chose to work around mostly canon, I knew I had obstacles that needed to be addressed, set up, and knocked down. I purposefully wrote myself into several corners just so I could work my way out of them, so as not to be too predictable or boring. Or, and boring. Uh, not all of my decisions are going to be likable. Mm-hmm. I realized that. But, as I was writing this story, I tried to do what I felt was authentic to my portrayal of the characters. This is one of my favorite serious chapters, BTW. I love how he reacts differently to anyone else. In those moments, he is my favorite to write. And with that, we move on to chapter 59, Tessere Veritas. Tessere? Tessere. It's been way too long since I've taken Latin, kids. December 11th, 1961. Maya sat in the hospital wing, red-rimmed eyes staring down at the unmoving fingers threaded through hers, struggling with each and every breath, each inhale a sniffle, each exhale a sob. The bandages that covered the wounded wizard on the bed beside her were wrapped tightly, despite the fact that she had done what she could to heal him. His skin was pale and ashen, but Madame Pomfrey insisted that color would return when the blood replenishing potion took effect. Remus stood beside her, hands on her shoulders, acting as her support, her rock. She closed her eyes and let more tears fall down her cheeks as she took the cold hand into her own, stroking her thumb gently over curled fingers. She could feel Remus's cheek resting against her head, and this breath calmed his breath calmed her when she concentrated on it hard enough. Turning into Remus's embrace, Maya blinked away her tears. She saw Madame Pomfrey near the doors of the infirmary talking to Dumbledore and Professors McGonagall and Scrimgeour. Oh, fuck me. What? Scrimgeour's voice. I'm pretty sure I just imitated the actual guy. He talks really wide. Oh my god. Okay, I feel retarded. <laughs> Open wide, Claire. Shove it in your mouth. I hate you. I hate you so much. And I'm kind of glad you can't certain. see me. <laughs> they are certain. Okay, it's open. It's open, okay. <laughs> They're certain, Scrimgeour asked. I've never I've never even heard of this spell, and yet you'd have me believe that one sixth year girl was able to cast it at a fellow student, nearly killing him in the process. And another six-year girl was able to heal him within moments of using the healing spell, of which I've also never heard. McGonagall defended Maya, saying Miss Potter is a very talented witch. 
Dumbledore inclined his head towards Scrimgeour. I'm more concerned about the students who attack. As am I, McGonagall said bitterly. Three students from my house claim to have heard Miss Carrow mention you-know-who, and then she threatened Mr. Black's life clear as day in front of the others. Are you sure they aren't lying? Scrimgeour frowned, and McGonagall looked positively outraged at the accusation. I mean no offense, but if I'm to report this to the Ministry, they'll want to know how not one, but two potential Death Eaters were found inside the school, let alone how they escaped. Is this really the right place? Charles Potter asked as he stood from his seat beside his wife to approach the trio of professors. Certainly, this argument could be had elsewhere while my family tries to heal through this ordeal. Accept my apologies, Charles, Dumbledore said sadly. Rest assured, I will make certain to do everything I can to see that the boy is well tended. With that, the headmaster led the professors out of the infirmary, leaving behind the Potters, Sirius, Peter, and Remus. So to all of our listeners, that was a... Mm. Mm. That was a whale to read. Um, I have forgotten like all of my voices. Thank you, baby brain. And um, thank you to Hannah Beth and Kat who let me listen to a YouTube video and taught me how to speak like Scrimgeour again. So thanks, guys. Also, my face keeps disappearing because I have a background, but whatever. It's my fault. Maya watched her mother envelop Sirius in her arms as he sobbed into her shoulder. I'm so sorry, Mom, he cried. It's my fault. It should have it should have been me. It was supposed to be me. I totally forgot about this. Don't you dare say anything of the sort, Doria chided him, and Maya stifled another sob as she looked back down at James's unconscious form lying there on the bed. While she could never blame him, Sirius was right. It was supposed to have been him. Electo had her wand aimed at Sirius, and from that angle, the Sectumsempra curse could have easily slit his throat open. She had first heard of the curse when Harry used it in her original sixth year in Moaning Myrtle's bathroom against Draco. The second time was after she and Kingsley landed in the burrow and were told about George's injury during their retrieval of Harry from Privet Drive. The third instance she had seen with her own eyes at Malfoy Manor when Draco took down Lucius in defense of his mother. Maya had never been that close to the curse. Not until today. The word Sectumsempra ripped through her consciousness, and Maya felt her blood run cold. Her body went completely numb, and she didn't even feel the movement to the side of her as James willingly leapt in front of Sirius, taking the curse in the chest. No! She screamed and threw herself at her brother as he hit the ground, bleeding out onto the grass. She was unable to think clearly. Her blood began to boil with uncontrolled rage. Have to mean it, have to mean it, Maya repeated in her head. Aim your wand and mean it. Her wand was brought up almost of its own accord, and she let her gaze linger for the briefest of moments on James's body before the grief was consumed by rage. Have to mean it. Her eyes locked onto the Caro twins, and she shouted, Avarica! Her spell was muffled by a hand, covering her mouth, and another gripping her arm tightly, diverting her curse away from the Death Eaters. Remus stood behind her, holding her as she fought against him, struggling to get free so she could kill them, kill the Caros, kill them both. The twins cackled and then rushed off the pitch, disappearing from view as Maya cried and screamed against Remus. Maya, you have to heal him, he yelled, snapping her out of her rage. She was grateful that, despite a foolishly young Severus Snape creating the Septum Semper Curse. Oh, whoa, well, I skipped a whole paragraph. Claude Claire riveted. Taking a deep breath through her nose, she nodded. When Remus released her, she collapsed to her knees beside her dying brother. She held her shaking wand over his chest, tracing it over the deep wounds that the curse had made, muttering the Vulnera Sanator healing spell that almost sounded like a song. She was grateful that, despite a foolishly young Severus Snape creating the Sectumsemper curse, a much older, wiser Professor Snape had created the counter curse, and had thankfully left detailed instructions in some of his notes that she had discovered one afternoon during her original sixth year while helping Professor Slughorn clean up the potions room. The flow of blood eased, and she pulled James's robes open to look at the wounds as they began to knit themselves back together. 
It had taken three passes with the counter curse before she deemed James stable enough to be moved to the hospital wing, where Peter had rushed off to the very moment that the Carrow twins had vanished. When James had stabilized an hour later, a nervous Madame Pomfrey looked at the Potter parents and cleared her throat. "'You can all stay the night, but only the family will be allowed into the room from this point forward.' Doria raised a daring brow at the Meadow Witch and hovered near the three remaining marauders. These boys are family. The issue was immediately put to rest. Sirius sat on the bed next to James, staring at his best friend with a mixture of guilt and rage. Maya knew how he felt. A part of her remembered an older Sirius in the Room of Requirement, arguing with Hermione Granger over his methods of fighting. Trust me, Hermione. If you knew the Electo Caro I knew growing up, you wouldn't give her memory a passing thought. You'll have your revenge, Maya whispered to Sirius, who looked up at her with confusion, but the sincerity of her tone had him nodding his head before returning his gaze to James. <laughs> December 12, 1976 Maya walked into the infirmary the following morning after being forced out of it in the first place by her well-meaning parent and a protective Remus, all of whom had insisted she needed to eat. She and Sirius had stayed up all night, keeping watch over James as he rested and recovered. Her parents slept in an enlarged bed at the end of the hospital wing, and Remus stayed in the bed opposite James. Peter tried to remain in the infirmary with the rest of them, but any time he came close to James, Maya tensed up and breathed hard, to the point that her magic could be seen radiating off of her as a warning. Peter apologized to her parents, saying it would be best if someone returned to Gryffindor Tower to inform the rest of their house about what had happened. No one argued with him. You almost feel bad for the guy. Almost. That morning... Maya had been reluctant to leave her brother's side, but at the very least she knew she needed coffee, so she went to the great hall to fetch a cup. Returning to the hospital wing, she was surprised to see Lily sitting in her chair. Maya silently slipped through the double doors, watching curiously as her friend studied James. Lily tucked a strand of her long red hair behind her ear, and then twisted the end of it, a nervous habit Maya had picked up on years earlier while watching her prepare for exams. Anxiety, worry, and fear were written on Lily's face, and Maya frowned at the sight, but the corner of her mouth turned up when Lily seemed to hesitate only briefly before taking James's hand within her own. Maya tried her best to stand quietly as long as was possible to give Lily as much time as she could, but a yawn overtook her. Startled, Lily dropped James's hand and stood, spinning around. I, I just wanted to see if I... P Peter told us what happened. I, I needed to see it for myself. Are you okay? I've been better, Maya admitted. Where are your parents? Meeting with Madame Pomfrey, Maya took Sirius's empty chair so that if Lily felt like sitting back down, she could. She let out another yawn and then took a large gulp of her coffee. They want to take us all home for Christmas now, seeing that the holidays are only a week away, and Jamie won't be able to attend classes anyway, even if he wakes up today. All of us? Lily asked. Me, Jamie, Sirius, and Remus. How bad was it? Lily's question questioned hesitantly as she looked over the bandages across James's chest. Maya frowned. Bad. He could have... He almost died. I heard Professor Scrimgeour and McGonagall arguing last night, Lily whispered. When Mary and I got back from Hogsmeade, they were practically screaming at each other in the entrance hall. Is it true that the Caros were using curses that no one's ever heard of? Maya nodded. How is that possible? Lily challenged, shaking her head in disbelief. Those two are incredibly thick. Maya scowled, thinking of the myriad ways she had wanted to hurt Severus Snape. For enemies, is what was written inside his potions book next to the curse, or so Harry claimed. Maya knew who his enemies, easy for me to say, knew who his enemies were. And while she did not doubt that James and Sirius could be used, uh, could use being knocked down a peg or two, there was a difference between schoolyard fights and creating a curse like this one. If she had never found Professor Snape's notes on the counter curse, James would have bled out. They didn't invent them. Someone else in the castle did. Another Slytherin, I'm guessing. He either taught them the spell or, like a bunch of reckless idiots, she said, rolling her eyes and thinking of Harry, they just saw the spell written down somewhere and decided to try it out. 
Someone, someone invented it? Lily's voice was shaky, and her eyes were wet. Maya figured that, being best friends with Snape for so long, Lily would be privy to at least some of his processes when creating new spells. Maya, I think... Dumbledore already knows, Maya interrupted her, knowing that Lily was taking a risk by confessing what she had known about Snape's advanced potions book. When he came in to question us, Remus insisted that there was no way Electo or Amicus could have invented it themselves. Sirius mentioned that Snape created Levacorpus and Langlock. Last I heard, there was no proof. He has a book, Lily whispered. He'll have gotten rid of it. He's not stupid. The moment word reached him that the Carrows had used his curse. There's nothing to be done now. She knew that Snape did not join Dumbledore until after the prophecy, but she wondered if the headmaster was now considering the potential threat or asset that he could be. Stay away from him, Lily. Maya looked up at her friend with pleading eyes. I honestly believe that one day Snape can come back from whatever it is that he's fallen into, but you're not the one to save him. He has to save himself. Yo. How do you invent spells and curses? Like, do you just say a word and whatever comes out your wand? It's like, cool. Um, there's been a lot of discussion on that. We don't actually know because Daniel Radcliffe hasn't told us about what his theories <laughs> were when he was writing the original series. But, um, some fans have suggested that it's less about the verbiage and more about the intent. Um, like a muggle-born pointing their wand at their cup and saying, thermos, and suddenly it retains heat. So, like, possibly something like that. But I think um, based on how we see, like, because sectum sempra, one of those words means cutting. I don't remember the actual breakdown of the Latin right now. But um, why is it all in Latin? Um, so part of that, I think, is just one, it's a fairly universal language across Europe. Um, and it's sort of the basis of a lot of languages. Not, not all of them. There's also Germanic and then there's Cyrillic. But, um, if you think that maybe we see a lot of new inventions and like brilliance coming out of uh Italy particularly Rome and like that's sort of where a lot of you know uh discovery happened like ancient Greece ancient Rome that's where a lot of things were developed and like you know math and algebra and all that kind of crap um and you know a lot of the renaissance stuff that's a very like developing area and the language of choice there was Latin. Also, I am pulling all of this out of my ass. I have no basis for any of this. But I'm just going to assume that, one, it's because it's a fairly universal language. But look at what humans, humans, muggles do. We use Latin for basically anything in science. Every time we find a new species, they get their, you know, fun name. And then they also get their Latin name. So Latin's just a very very standard. It's also because it's a dead language, it doesn't change. So English, we see a lot of change in the vernacular. I mean, lit in, you know, 2020 means something very different than to what it meant in 1970. Um, also, yeah. yeet. Um, I hate it when they do that. Because when Beyonce came out with that song, she was like, surfboard. I was like, what the crap is she doing on a surfboard? And then I looked it up and I'm like, oh. <laughs> That's oh, not what she's talking about. Oh, honey. <laughs> oh, honey. I don't know. I am not jiggy with the words that the kids are saying these days. Dude, the lyrics to WAP were a revelation to me. I learned so much. I know, much. right? Cause, but I swear, I was listening to it in the car, and when she said the thing about the mac and cheese, I was like, that is what it sounds like. Holy crap. That is the sound of mac and cheese. Yep, yep. I know. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, that, that's a good one. I like that. Horrifying. <laughs> Never going to stir mac and cheese again. Yeah, mm -hmm. but... <laughs> that 
was a thing during the first trimester when I could only eat Easy Mac. And every time I'm stirring it up, I'm just like, that, that. <laughs> anyway, the dead of time. <laughs> oh, we're having fun tonight. Um, so the last thing we talked about was Snape having to save himself. Lily let a few tears escape, but she made no noise as she looked back down at James. Did he really save Sirius? Maya nodded in reply. It was very brave of him. Very stupid, she said with a huff of annoyance. But brave. Maya stared, smiled down at her sleeping brother. Ever the gallant Gryffindor. Lily sniffed, shaking her head and looking confused. He was wandless. Had you and Remus not been there, they would have killed him, and then killed Sirius right after. What was he thinking? Love, Maya replied. It's a powerful type of magic. Oh, shit. This is such a good chapter, I forgot. Anyway, sorry, guys. Love isn't magic. It can be. I... She hesitated as she felt something in the air. Something magical and moving, nudging and pushing at her somewhere in the back of her mind. Maya closed her eyes and she almost immediately realized the prompting. I read somewhere how love can be harnessed. Sacrificial love can protect others. Your brother tried to sacrifice himself? Lily looked up, eyes wide in horror. No. Maya shook her head, worrying her thumb along the handle of her coffee cup. He was just trying to save Sirius. I don't even think he thought about it for a second. Besides, it wouldn't have worked. Muggle, please, Lily. Eventually, you're going to sacrifice yourself for your kid, you muggle. Where do you think she learned it from? I know. Gee. Why not? There are circumstances that allow it, Maya explained, a tightening in her chest after every word. You have to face death willingly to be given the option to fight back, but not take it. That sounds horrible, but... Beautiful at the same time, Lily frowned, tilting her head as she looked at Jamie's face. Your brother loves his friends. I can't imagine loving anyone that much. Maya did her best not to sob as she remembered Harry crying in the cemetery at Godric's Hollow on Christmas Eve. You will. I can't stand it anymore, Lily said in frustration as she stood and hovered over James's bed. She pushed her fingers through his hair, desperately trying to get the locks to lay back flat. She breathed a sigh of relief when they finally did, though they had to be tucked against the pillow to stay that way. That's been bothering me for years, she admitted with a laugh. Don't tell him I did that. Which is honor. Maya brought her cup back to her mouth to try and hide the smirk that was threatening to overtake her. You know, he really does love... I know, Lily interrupted, looking unsure of herself. I just... Even after everything good he's done... He's still an arrogant ass. Arse. Arse. I think they pronounce it just ass sometimes, unless you're, you know, Eliza Doolittle. Nice reference. Thank you, thank you. Come on, I feel like that was both of our introductions to the word arse. Come on, Dover, move your blooming arse. Ugh, it was a beautiful yeah, moment. probably. The one, I think that was the first time I ever saw a movie with a cuss word with my parents. It's great. <laughs> Maya shrugged her shoulders in complete agreement with her friend. And Remus is still a werewolf with self-esteem issues, and Sirius is still a foul-mouthed prat with a family of blood supremacists. Doesn't mean they aren't worth loving. Jamie will always be a bit of an arse, but he's learning to channel that arrogance properly these days. Okay, December, December 13th, 1976. <laughs> <laughs> what you guys missed was that we... There was burping, there was a lot of conversations about a lot of very strange topics, and now we are back. So, we're sorry you missed it, but you're probably not. December 13th, 1976. The sun was rising in the distance as Sirius watched as James slowly opened his eyes for the first time in over 24 hours. He reached up and scratched at the mess of hair on top of his head and moved to stretch his arms a bit, but winced in pain. Sirius watched silently, guilt and fear and anger and relief building up inside of him all at once. Blinking in confusion, James pulled down the sheets that covered him to see a pink closed scar that ran diagonally over the length of his chest. Oh, he mumbled thoughtfully. Oh? 
James turned to see Sirius glaring at him with narrowed eyes. Morning, Pads. You dickhead! Sirius lunged at him, momentarily forgetting where they were as he smacked his best friend hard in the side of the head. You almost died, and you wake up and say, oh, like nothing happened? Ow, arsehole! Stop hitting me! James weakly put his hands up to try and fight back, hitting Sirius once right in the mouth. Unfazed by the slap, Sirius put his hands on James's shoulders and just shook him because he needed to do something, and it was taking every ounce of strength to not throttle the self-sacrificing wanker. What the hell is going on here? Sirius ignored Maya's shrieks, determined to smack as much sense into James as humanly possible. He only relented when Remus pulled him off, allowing Maya to run to the bedside. Jamie! She wrapped her arms tightly around him, sobbing into his neck, seemingly oblivious to the fact that he continued to try and strike at Sirius from over her shoulder. Padfoot, he's still injured. Remus tried to reason with Sirius as he continued to struggle. Fuck him! He's an arrogant martyr who needs his arse kicked. Sirius snarled when Remus's grip tightened. He allowed his body to relax, but only because he knew from experience that Remus could easily force him to black out with the right pressure, and Sirius was not in the mood to be next to James in a hospital bed. When Remus let him go, Sirius sighed irritably and ran his hands through his hair. "'You're welcome,' James said in a snippy tone. Suddenly, Sirius was being restrained again. James scoffed. <laughs> "'Bloody hell!' You save a mate's life, and this is the thanks you get? Sirius is right. You almost died, Jamie. Maya sniffed, wiping away the tears that had spilt over her cheeks. What were you thinking? Looking away from them all, James shook his head, refusing to make eye contact. I was thinking that I couldn't let her kill you. You heard what that bitch said, Pads. She was going to kill you. And I... I couldn't let it happen. I couldn't live without my best friend. But I'm supposed to live without mine? Sirius snapped, finally breaking out of Remus's hold. Prongs, do you have any idea what I would have done if you died? James kept his expression tight, but Sirius noted that Maya recoiled at his words and averted her gaze entirely. Assuming that she was reliving the moment when she had tried to kill the Caras over what they'd done, Sirius sighed. While he didn't blame her for her rage in the moment, he didn't know if he had it in him to do the same. Revenge, certainly. But killing? He very briefly pondered what it would take for him to cross that line, only making him angrier when he remembered how terrified he was when James fell and when Maya confronted Bellatrix. Fuck, he growled, dark eyes darting between the two of them. When will you bloody potters get it through your heads that I am not worth saving if it means risking your own lives? Can't help it, James offered with a shrug. If it makes you feel any better, I would have done it for Mooney, Wormtail, or Maya. It doesn't, Sirius, Maya, and Remus all responded at the same time. James laughed. Look, I'm fine. Wizard's honor. Sirius groaned and headed for the door. I need a cigarette. Maya... Come with me. When she hesitated, he turned, stalking toward her in a predatory manner, and Remus stepped forward. Sirius put a hand out. No, Mooney. She and I need to have a chat about what happened on the pitch. His eyes met Remus's, and the two shared an understanding. Maya's near use of an unforgivable had gone unreported to the headmaster and the R's that interviewed them all after the Carrow twins disappeared and none of them had dared to mention it while James remained unconscious. I can do that, Remus insisted. Like hell, you're the boyfriend, the good guy who gets to read her poetry and make her feel better. You won't hurt her, and right now, she needs to hurt a little. Sirius insisted, ignoring the look of protest that was crossing Maya's face. Our job means we share responsibility. I'll be the bad guy. Hold on. Anyway, the death. <laughs> we just killed Hannah Beth. Anyway, 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 the dead of time. Time, time, time. Wiki, 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 A conversation just happened that will never end up on the blooper reel, and all of you will wonder why we're all dying. And you will never know. Except for Hannah Beth. Hannah Beth knows, and she's smiling with that knowledge.
Anyway. She's like, why did I offer to edit y'all's crap? <laughs> yeah. So, oh, also, I should probably... The reason I keep referring to Hannah Beth in this episode and not my normal HB cut that is because uh, she offered to be our referee and sort of be like, <clears throat> by the way, the place you left off before this giant long ass tangent was here. Or a, hello, you guys are really off subject. Or also a, hey, your audio dropped. Stop fucking reading to an empty room. So uh, we very much appreciate her offering to help us out with all of this because it's going to help streamline and hopefully make her editing process easier. But this is the first time we're doing this, so there are lots of distractions and entertainments occurring. Anyway, the dead of time. Read the Our Job paragraph again. <clears throat> oh, right. That's why this whole thing stopped. I had to get my voice down low again. So Our Job means we share responsibility. I'll be the bad guy who gets to tell her what a fucking idiot she is. He turned and glared at her for a moment, catching the ways her eyes flashed amber at the insult before he turned back to Remus. You can wipe her tears when I'm done, and agree that I'm an arsehole. Oh, please, she muttered indignantly. He looked back at Maya and lifted a brow. I know you're thinking it. She narrowed her eyes and pursed her lips as she thought, fine, arsehole. Remus, for some reason, nodded in agreement. Suddenly, Sirius had her wrist gripped in his hand, and he was dragging her out of the infirmary despite her protests. What the hell, Sirius? She struggled against him, reaching for her wand, but uh, quickly noting that she had left it behind in the infirmary on James's bedside table. She thought to use wandless magic to get him to release her, but a lack of sleep and no real desire to actually hurt Sirius held her back. The moment they walked through the back door that led out near the greenhouses, Sirius released her arm and reached into his robes, pulling out a pack of cigarettes and removing two sticks. He handed one to her in a friendly manner, as though he had not just dragged her screeching through the halls. Maya huffed at him, arms crossed over her chest for a long moment before she finally relented and took the fag from him. Sirius cupped his hands together against the chilly December air and mumbled a spell, wandlessly lighting a hovering blue bell flame in his hand. He leant in, allowing the cigarette to light, breathing in several puffs of smoke before holding his hand out to Maya. She followed his motions, doing the same, save for choking on her first inhale, which drew a smirk from Sirius. Jamie's right, she said, hoping to change the subject before he even brought it up. You would have died. Maybe, he said slowly, or maybe you would have saved me the way you saved him. Either way, I wouldn't have to wake up every morning owing a life debt to my best friend because he's a prat. Life debts aren't so bad, Maya smiled knowingly. Come in useful when you need them to. Sirius turned and glared at her, inhaling deep and letting the smoke blow out through his nose before flicking the cigarette to the side and stepping close to her. His slate-gray eyes narrowed. You tried killing the Karos. Maya looked away from him. To be fair, they tried killing you and Jamie first. Maya, Sirius snapped. You almost used an unforgivable. Are you at all comprehending the severity of the situation? Do you know what would have happened had you succeeded? They would have died, Maya admitted, still not looking at him. Yes, they would have died, and you would have killed them. We're at war. We are not, Sirius said looking shocked by her admission. There is a war, but we are not soldiers. Maya, you almost crossed a line. That's your problem, Sirius. She turned her eyes on him, growling. You still think there is a line. Dark magic, light magic, it's not all black and white. You can kill a person with a severing charm that we learned as first years. Magic is gray. Fine, Sirius conceded. But we weren't in a battle, Maya. It was a fight. An unfair fight, I'll give you that. But the Karos weren't even marked Death Eaters. The world isn't split into good people and Death Eaters, Sirius. If the people I love are attacked, I will do whatever I need to stop them or avenge them. Some people are irredeemable, she said, thinking of future Remus's letters. Some people just can't. Can't be saved. Sirius reached up and took her face into his hands. I'm not trying to redeem or save them. Screw them all. I'm trying to save you, he insisted, then pulled her into a hug. 
The moment her arms wrapped around his neck, she burst into tears, letting the cigarette between her fingers fall to the ground as she wove her fingers together, holding him close as she wept. Maya, please don't let the anger consume you, he pleaded with her. I know it's hard. I've been there. I'm... I'm there too often myself. He sighed and ran a hand through her hair consolingly. You can't take lives without consequences. Don't end up like them. You're not a killer. Promise me you won't do anything like that again. Azkaban is a better punishment for Death Eaters than death. Maya pulled away and frowned. Her eyes clenched tight. Azkaban might not always be a permanent punishment. What happens if they... Escape? Sirius snorted in amusement, looking at her as though her lack of sleep had forced her to lose all common sense. Maya, you can't escape Azkaban. Muggle, please. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Funny story, you're going to be the first person to ever do it. Congrats! Something about his words made anxiety bubble up inside of her. The past few days had been too much. James almost dying at the hands of future Death Eaters. Sirius's life being threatened so openly and on Hogwarts grounds, no less. The one place they were supposed to be safe. All this talk of Azkaban and death and unforgivables brought back a flash of memories that Maya had worked so very hard to repress over the years. The image of an escaped Sirius Black in the Shrieking Shack, Dementors breaking onto the Hogwarts Express, Harry telling her how he could hear his parents when the Dementors were near, hearing them scream as they were murdered by Voldemort. Sirius, I need to tell you something, she said, as the words began to rush up to her throat, begging to be set free. Screw Remus's letter and rules. Screw Dumbledore and his condescending looks and his fucking greater good. She would change everything. She would save them all. Azkaban can be broken out of. I know this because y- you... <sighs> she tried to say the words, but a bubble formed in her throat, and her tongue felt numb. Just nerves, she thought, and tried again. B- because y- you... Her eyes widened in panic when she realized something was wrong. Something was preventing her from speaking the truth. She tried once more, but felt woozy, only hearing the words in her head. Because you broke out of it in 1993 after being imprisoned for 12 years. You all right? Sirius rose a brow. Maya shook her head and tried a different tactic. Sirius! James and Lily are going to be killed. Peter is a traitor. I know that your brother is going to become a Death Eater and Snape too. I'm... From the future. No! She pushed her hands through her hair in frustration, shaking, as she felt this unfamiliar magic pooling in her throat and her head, stopping her from telling him. Maya? It's nothing, Maya mumbled, letting go of her hair and biting her thumbnail in contemplation. She didn't care one bit that she likely looked mental. She would later blame it on stress. I was thinking that if anyone could break out of Azkaban, it'd probably be one of you. She smiled sadly. Just don't try to prove me right by ending up there, okay? I'll do my best. You do the same, yeah? He asked, and Maya nodded, trying to hold back tears. You sure you're all right? Yeah. I need to see Professor Dumbledore. I want to make sure that we're all okay to head home now that Jamie's awake. She turned and rushed back towards the castle as unshed tears stung her eyes. She waited six years to tell the truth, to try and change something. Um, Six years she had followed each rule as it had been set out before her, and finally, when she got the courage to do something about it and tell something, someone something, she couldn't. A part of her knew why. Dumbledore had spelled her not to. Lemon drops. Maya hissed at the gargoyle before it opened the staircase that led to the headmaster's office. Without knocking, she burst through the door to find the old wizard sitting behind his large desk and a baby fox on his golden perch beside him. In the chair opposite Albus Dumbledore sat er, in the chair opposite Albus Dumbledore sat her mother, looking up at her with a frown. Maya turned on the headmaster, tears spilling onto her face. She wiped them away immediately, not wanting to look weak. What did you do to me? Maya, love, come and sit down. Daria reached for her daughter's hand, gesturing to the chair beside her. Maya turned and looked at her mother with wide eyes as a realization fell over her. 
You knew, she whispered. You knew he did something to me. We've talked about this before, love, Doria sighed, looking regretful and angry about the situation. Maya wondered if Dumbledore had threatened obliviation. If the war is won in the future, you cannot try and change now. Or change that. It's too important. What did you do? Maya turned and scowled at the headmaster. I tried to tell Sirius that... that. She tried, but the words wouldn't come out, and she gritted her teeth in frustration. I am deeply sorry, Dumbledore sighed sadly. It made Maya bitter, because she believed he truly was remorseful over what it was he had done to her. When you came to me several months ago, eager to tell me secrets about the future in the war, I felt it necessary to take precautions to prevent you from telling anyone. It's a spell called Tacere, Tacere, how the fuck you pronounce it? Veritas, modified specifically for you. It'll prevent you from intentionally speaking about the future in order to change its outcome. You don't understand, Maya sobbed as she fell into the chair beside her mother, who immediately wrapped her arms around her shoulders. I have to save James and Lily, she tried to say, but the words stuck in her throat. I have to stop, Sirius, from being framed. Please take caution, my dear. Dumbledore said kindly, daring to look concerned. This spell may cause some unpleasant side effects if you fight it too hard. I can't sit back and do nothing, Maya whispered through her tears. Uh, oh, <clears throat> not Dumbledore. I don't expect you to. You were sent back for a reason, Doria insisted. I've memorized that letter too. I believe that you are, indeed, a catalyst for events that are meant to unfold. But I don't want to help those events unfold, Maya admitted. I don't want to be the catalyst for m my own brother's death. No, I imagine not the bad things, Doria said softly, stroking Maya's hair. Bad things will happen, good people will suffer and even die. But if you try to change something, someone else could take their place, or worse. A potentially painless death could instead become one of great torture and suffering. A killing curse becomes a cruciatus. A minor injury becomes a death. Perhaps think of the good you will do. What if the reason we win the war in the end is because of what you will do here? How can I help when I've been silenced? She felt her eyes shift amber in her rage, and she turned that anger to the meddlesome headmaster. She was reminded of how very angry Harry had been with him during their fifth year. So that's why Dumbledore's been keeping me in the dark? Harry asked her and Ron when they explained what the headmaster told them not to tell him anything about the wizarding world over the entire summer, while he had been left alone at Privet Drive. She remembered a, f a furious Mrs. Weasley screaming over the dinner table at an irate Sirius. Oh man, I haven't done this one in a while. <clears throat> you haven't forgotten what Dumbledore said, I suppose. Which part? The part about not telling Harry any more than he needs to know. She remembered the moment when Harry got his hands on a copy of The Lives and Lies... Life and Lies of Albus Dumbledore, finding out about Grindelwald and the greater good. She'd try to defend their fallen headmaster to her friend, even while Sirius sat silently by, neither agreeing nor disagreeing with her, which had irked her at the time. Harry's outburst had been hard to counter, though. Shh, shh, shh. Look what he asked from me, Hermione. Risk your life, Harry. And again, and again. And don't expect me to explain everything. Just trust me blindly. Trust that I know what I'm doing. Trust me even though I don't trust you. Never the whole truth. Never. There's a lot of shame. It's so true. Do you know why I asked you here, Harry? Do you know why? Do you know? No, I don't because you never tell me. That's why he says, honestly, Professor, at this point, I just kind of go with it. <laughs> what deadly situation are you going to put me in this year? 
Make me drink water, Harry. <laughs> oh, by the way, I'm also going to be tortured and in a lot of pain, but keep piling it on. Beat me harder, Daddy. Like, Jesus Christ. There was a, oh, <laughs> I had a pet space. And you like totally cock-blocked him with that one chick at the diner. I know. Like, she was cute. I know. Anyway. <clears throat> Maya sighed, feeling utterly defeated as she stared at the man. What do you want me to do? Learn, Dumbledore replied. Learn. Occlumency. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, had to. Too easy. I love you so much. I like when you make these connections. Dumbledore replied. Learn as any other student here would. If you are indeed the catalyst to help bring about the eventful end of this war, then I would have you do so under as much protection as possible. Keep the future in the future and focus on the here and now. If I were to discover Death Eaters being recruited inside the school, then you may bring that information to me, Dumbledore agreed. However, I would prefer that you not put yourself at any risk. It appears that potters have a habit of putting their lives in great danger for the benefit of others. For the greater good, Maya challenged bitterly. Perhaps, Miss Potter, perhaps. Tearing her eyes away from the headmaster, Maya looked at her mother, who at least seemed remorseful over her part in this. She forgave her quickly, believing that Dumbledore only included Daria because she had discovered Maya's secret in the first place. If Doria Potter had insisted that Dumbledore keep his nose out of Maya's business, she had a feeling the headmaster would have no qualms about obliviating her of all knowledge she held and then silencing Maya regardless. Daria, however, was a Slytherin and knew how to keep her enemies close if needed. She also had not one but two children to look after, three or four when Sirius and Remus were included. Keeping on the headmaster's good side was beneficial to the entire family, for now. Can we go home now? Yes, Doria offered her an apologetic smile. Let's go get your brother and the boys. She stood from her chair and smiled politely at Dumbledore, who stood to work, walk them to the door. Maya turned and looked at him. Professor? Yes? I just wanted to say... Voldemort has horcruxes. One will curse you and bring about your death. Severus Snape will become a Death Eater. He's going to kill you. Happy Christmas. <laughs> Boom. End of chapter. Also, my dear, dear listeners, um, I really hope that you are able to understand that when I talked like this, like Maya, and I would say something like, I'm, uh, uh, with the stuttering, that's Maya actually trying to speak. And then when I go back to my normal reading voice down here, that is me trying to show what she is saying in her head that she wishes she could say out loud, but cannot because she is, this is just post stuttering Professor Maya. But... Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone reference. But anyway. Well, that's that chapter, Kat. What'd you think? That's crazy. Yeah, there's a lot of shit going on. But Yeah, it really is a lot. Oh my god. Now, I remember when we were both 16 and I had to pull you to the side and tell you that murdering people in cold blood was probably not the best option and that you should avoid it. But, I mean, who doesn't have that conversation with their best friends at 16? Yeah, we never had that conversation. My sense of humor is wasted on her, people. Wasted. Sorry. <laughs> Annabeth is dying. I literally saw just a leg sticking up in the air. She keeled over. It was great. But anyway... Um, I would like to thank Hannah Beth for listening in and helping us hopefully make a better episode. And I'm sure these will get uh, more succinct and more streamlined and less like, oh, look, something shiny uh, as the weeks go on. But we would also like to thank all of our incredible, wonderful Patreons. And it's time for our freaking foxes. We've got. Jackie, Rachel, Becky, Sandra, Carissa, Aidy, Leanne, Rebecca, Michelle, Cassie, Ryder, Amber, Ryland, Olivia, Heather, Sarah, Crystal, Chelsea, Ashley, Connie, Emma, Chelsea, Amara, Audrey, Claire, Roshan, Melissa, 
Jillian, Shelby, Martina, Nevi, Tori, Paige, Tyler, Sarah, Shannon, Samantha, Amanda, Dan, Miranda, Caitlin, Laura, Kara, Rin, Danielle, Kara, and Jenny, and Jade and Miriam. And again, thank you so much to all of you for supporting us, and we would like to wish you all a very, very Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. And a happy, happy, healthy, normal 2021. Claire. Full of financial windfalls and promotions that do not stress you out. And babies if you want babies and no babies if you don't want no babies. If you don't want no babies. <laughs> We're just going to go and with the grammar on good that one. vibes. And, and, and happiness. no more plague. And happiness. And Claire stop predicting the future. <laughs> and no more credit card debt for anybody. It just is a bit. Yeah. And dismiss student loans because that actually might be a thing. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I know. Literally all three of us are just like, yes. I don't want to pay that. But no, in, in reality, we, we will wish you all a happy new year again next week because next week we'll be presenting this on New Year's Day. Oh, this is our last episode of 2020. Yeah, the dumpster fire that is this year. Yeah, my husband even got us a Christmas ornament and it says 2020 and the last zero is a thing of toilet paper and it goes around the front and then it's got us and the other zero that is not toilet paper is the Rona. It's like the red with the little spikies on it and then there's a little thing of hand sanitizer. It's it's magical. It's not quite the snowflake that says 2020 in the middle and just says fuck repeatedly all the way around it because that one's pretty magical too. But we also thought that might be bad if, you know, tiny humans who start to read start, you know, <laughs> hey, mommy, why does this ornament say fuck eight times? What does that mean? <laughs> Types of conversations that you don't want to have with your child. Um, but very Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Happy Kwanzaa tomorrow. Happy Yule, Saturnella, whatever you celebrate. And remember, keep your family close in your hearts and spend lots of time with them on Zoom and hug them closely in your head. Don't actually touch them because you're going to die. Uh, so. Unless you live with Unless them. Unless you live with them the and then you can do that. But yes, no. Do remember that most transfers are now happening between like one household with another household hanging out. So those are dangerous. Don't do those. Just just hold yourself up and do this thing that we're now currently calling quarantine, but what I called my day-to-day -day life from approximately 2009 to present. <laughs> okay, and we will, and see, we will you see you next. Fire Whiskey Friday. <laughs> Thank you, Kat. I knew we were missing something. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fire, Whiskey, and Honey. A special thank you to Shyalani for allowing us to read your story. And thank you to Blue Ivy Creations for creating our logo and Hannah Beth for editing our episodes. You can find us on Instagram at FWHpod. And on Twitter at FWHpodcast. And on our website, FWHpod.com. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support and get extra content, please support us on Patreon and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to those who support us already. We wouldn't be here without you. See you next Fire Whiskey Friday. Mm -hmm.